Welcome to Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. I'm your host, Susan Lyles. Public libraries in Mississippi are more than just a repository of books. They are community centers offering residents of our rural state a variety of needed services. We will take you across Mississippi visiting public libraries to learn about their beginnings, how they serve their communities, and what's on the horizon. So stay tuned. Today, we are in Noxabee County, Mississippi, and we are here with the library system director. Her name is Shamika Connor, and thank you for visiting with us today, Shamika. Thank you for coming. Okay, first of all, I am fascinated by this building. It is so unique and so wonderful. Can you give us the history of this building and what it once was and what you've done with it now? Okay, as you know, this, by the look of it, it used to be a jail. It was built in 1907 and it was a jail till 1977. So for 77 years, it was a jail. And then um, the library, we needed a place. It needed another, you know, location because the building that they were in, they was growing out of it. So some local people said, why don't they make this building into a library? So what they did, they got together and they pitched in a, a dollar here, you know, small amounts here and there. And they started this, you know, made this the library. So it was renovated it in 1984. And there, where it became the library. That is, now it sat uh, empty for how many years? Um, it stayed empty for, well, 1984 to 77. So I would say about a few, about seven years. Uh-huh, yeah. Somewhere in there. So, but I mean, it is so unique. Yes. And now it was in bad shape when they got the building so they had to come in uh, we have old pictures where they had to come in and do a lot of work to it so describe to us now how you have it set up um tell us about the you know where the different rooms are it is a three-story building correct yes it's a three-story building and built on a romanist type style and you'll see the unique all you'll see the uniqueness in the building the curvatures on the windows and the um, curvatures on the ceiling, all of that was designed for a purpose during the time it was a jail. But on f first floor, now that it's a library, we've uh, moved the computers on the, we call them wings. We have a west wing, we have the east wing, and on our east wing on first floor, which used to be the floor for the family, of the, for the sheriff during the time that it was a jail. So on first floor, you won't have any bars, but you, you know, you can tell the rooms. It was the bedroom. So um, where the computers are now, it was a bedroom during the time that it was a jail. And when you first walk into the library there, only place you can see that it was a, a jail on that part where you see the bars over the little arch there. But um, that was known, that was the living room during the time. They moved in in the 1930s, but during the time when you, when it was the jail that was known as the living room. In that room, we have all the fiction books and um, the MLC books. And and you come on in to the dining room here in the main floor where the receptionist at, you have the um, paperbacks, fiction paperbacks. We have the CDs, DVDs, 
the movies. And in the back room where the kitchen was, that's where the family cooked. And in the back room where our genealogy room is. So that's the, what, the south, the north wing on the back of the building. So, and then you have the, on the east wing, we've, we have the nonfiction room. And this is where the family and the outside where you would bring in the inmates to the east wing there. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are right now. We're, right? In the, we're on the east wing, correct. Mm-hmm. And so the inmates would actually be brought in through this room. For safety reasons now, I was told there was a stairwell somewhere. If you notice when you first come into the living room, though, you know it's fireplace. So it was a fireplace in this building. When you go in the attic, of course, I've been in the attic a couple of times, but you can see where the um, chimney goes out of the, um, you know, the roof there. But it was some stairs that allows the family, you can go up through the first through the first floor all the way up, but I can't see tell where it was, but they said they took them out for family safety reasons. So that's why it was, they brought them in through the outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense. Yes. All right, so tell us about, I wanna hear about that, the second floor. Okay, the second floor is when you really start seeing the actual sales, the bars, you see the uniqueness of what make this building a jail, you know. Um, when you go up, you have the you have the isolation cage. You have the like I said, you have the cell bars. You have the east wing and the west wing. We had the on the east wing side. You had that's where the that is now the kitchen and the bathroom. But then when it was a jail, that's where they held the women in. And it was only a few women that was held here. But that's the side the west the east wing was where they were held at. And the um, the wife of the sheriff cooked for the inmates, so oh. she did the cooking. And like I said, when you go on into the the main room in there, you have the isolation cage. It goes from second to third floor, and in that room, you'll see where an inmate did escape out of that room. You'll see where it was repaired. And um, going back out into the reception room, you will see the thirteen steps where you would have to climb. But on second floor, that is the children's room. And the children get a kick out of that room because we had, well, the, the children's room been moved several times. So it went, it was in, it was on first floor in the beginning, moved up to second floor. I moved it back down to first floor. It went back up to second floor because I just thought the kids would get a kick out of just having to climb the, you know, they would, they're fascinated with it. And I think I've. I bit off more than I can chew because they are climbing the stairs and, and swinging and all of that again. So I'm like, did I, would I, did I really think this through? Because, get out from there, get out. Stop swinging on that. How fun for Stop kids. Stop swinging on that. And you know it's not going to hurt them because it's... And you said they like to uh, get their pictures taken they behind do. the bars. They get their pictures taken behind bars. They are so fascinated with it. And then when you tell them it was, what, this used to be a jail? Oh, they, you know, they, they're fascinated by it. And they just keep on going. So That's great. They're closing the door and they're opening the door. And, I, you know. Well, I have to tell you, I don't know that I've ever heard of a library being in an old jail before. So it's really unique. It's, it's yeah. very unique. So. All right, now tell us about that third floor up there. Okay. Now the third floor, and we get a lot of tourists, and they actually are coming to see the 
hanging gallows, the steel trap door. Now, when the building was first built in 1907, there was no public hanging. So when they built the building, they had to um, put the trap door inside of the buildings. So, so they didn't want the public. To they see. didn't want the public to uh -huh. see anyone being hung here. Right. Now, um, like I said, when you go up on second floor, you'll see, you look at the very top, you'll see the eyelet. That's where the rope would hang. And you'll have a little, it's a square in the middle of the floor below it. And that's where you would fall to your, you know, your death through the lever. And it still works. It still works today. They just got it bolted in and slammed up. We're the second, is one more here in Mississippi. But we're like the second um, work, have the second working gallow in the state of Mississippi. But this is just, this is amazing. I mean, I, I just... I'm so taken with this building. It's just so unusual. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the community gets to use it now as a library is, exactly. is that's a great reuse of space. Exactly. I think so too. So tell us about your patrons. What do you do? What, what do you find you are doing the most to serve your community? I love that. Well, Anything that comes out that's I think that's gonna benefit them, I I want. And we have an adult reading group that loves the Christian fiction. They love the large print, especially the ones we get from MLC. Now we can't get enough of MLC books, so and it can't get them in fast enough because they read them so you know they read them so quick. And um, we have a good young adult group that's come in. We've always had a good group of children, you know, especially during the summer. We've always had that, but. The computers, they love that. But I really just get a kick. I just really want to see all of it being used. I want to make sure we're making a difference in them coming in and finding what they need. Now, do you find that you have a lot of adults who use your computers to apply for jobs or to they use it get for a variety GED of things. They use it as a pastime. They use it as a little bit of, bit of everything. And while we know because they always asking us to help them. I mean, Sharon, she's always getting, you know, someone needing some assistance and, you know, if she's busy, I always tell her to contact me, but now she's just taking, you know, she's taking in the stride and go in and help them and they know we're going to help them. So the computers are always being used. That's mm -hmm. great. There's always someone on. Now, you're a very rural community. Mm -hmm. um, what's your population in Macon? Do you know? Oh, it's it's de it's declined a bit. It mm -hmm. has. Um, it was at, um, what is it, 2,000? I think it's less than maybe, it's somewhere in the twos. 2,000, uh-huh. Right, because right now the entire population is uh, below 11,000 now. In Knoxville County. In Knoxville, because mm. I think that more people now look like they're going out to me to Brooksville than they are in Macon. I uh -huh. think they're going on the outskirts of um, to Brooksville than they are in Macon, but that's just... Yeah. Well, I did read that during the Civil War, Macon was the capital of the we, state. Yes, yes. We were the capital uh, of the state at one time. It was only brief. Well, it was only a brief period. But hey, so we were. Brief, yes. Brief is better than nothing. <laughs> now, do you, um, are your citizens here, are they faced with a lot of poverty? Is it, is there a... A well, high poverty level. We, um, yes, you know we're we're one hundred percent rural when it comes mm -hmm. to schools and all that, and we only have just the one the the, pri the public school because now our private school has closed down. But right now we are we're very 
Rural impoverished. very considered mm-hmm. impoverished, you know. Because of the job market, we, we don't have any um, really good industry. We have warehouses, we have barge, and we have a few places, but a lot of our uh, uh, big factories have moved out, and so that's what's happened. The people are having to move as well outside of their area. So um, the school has gone from like a four to a three because of that, just the move, you know, parents trying to make the best for their, you know, for themselves. But I just, like I said, I think that I, people say, why don't you move? You know, why don't you go somewhere? I'm like, well, this is home. You know, if all of us moved, and I was just talking to a um, a mother with, she has eight children, and she was talking, they moved from Starkville, and she was just saying, why, why do we, why did, why would we have to move? Why can't we make a difference here? And she said that she can volunteer and that made me feel good. She said, anything you, you know, whatever you want me to do, you know, she said, just let us and her learn no, because she said that we need to make a difference here. You know, you want to move to Starville, you want to move to Columbus. And we compare ourselves a lot to a larger libraries. And I realized I have to put myself back because you want your library to be like their library, but we realize we got to be in our own. Exactly. You know, do what we can do in our own space, so. And you're um, doing an amazing we, job. That's like you just put it out there and yeah. hope that they can, yeah, absolutely. Utilize it. And they do. Some days are slower than others, but they use it. You know, they I come mean, in. Just coming into the space, you can feel that it is a space that is warm and inviting, mm-hmm. and and that's how I want it to be. Yes, I don't want and you and your staff mm-hmm. are just so welcoming, and you know. It has to be rewarding to it, know that you are making a difference it does. in the community you grew up in. It does. And then what they want, I try to, you know, you I have you have the capability to try to get it. If you haven't got the budget, you know, you just, you want to be able to have that need to, that way to get it. Right. You know, and that, that makes me feel good as a director. Like, okay, what do you need? So I want to go me, and get it. So tell me about this, these grants that you applied for and got. For some children's books, tell us about that. Oh, we got a couple of uh, grants back here. We got the Pilco grant. I feel good about that. I've um, going outside my comfort zone a little bit this year, so I went and applied for a couple of grants with the help of my consultant. You know, I can't leave leave them out. They've been very special. All the consultants that I've had, I say I've worked with, including you, Miss Susan, you've helped me tremendously, so, but the Pilco grant, and um, what else, I've applied for. Now, what did you do with the Pilco grant? What did you purchase? When we got it, it was, what, 25, it was $2,500, I want to say it was 20, 2500 but I bought all children books, so we had a need for it, there was no, um, there were, you know, we had a lot of miss areas that we needed to um fill in and i think it was a diverse books we got we have a lot of need for that you know a diverse area so just books in general we just needed some it it seemed like we have a lot of books but at the same time we (laughs) at the same time we had a lot of we had a lot of gaps in there it looks like a clown just came in the door. Yes! And we are going to welcome him to do your summer reading program today. Is that right? Hey, Tommy! Hello. Yes! How are you? Good, good. Hello, Tommy. We are. How are you doing? Good, good. Well, I don't want to interrupt. Y'all, y'all go right ahead. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Tommy. Yeah, we're just talking about the great work going on here at the library. Yeah, and Tommy, this is first year here, and I'm excited to see him, so yay! <laughs> well, let's, let's take a little break, and we'll let you get Tommy set up, and we'll okay. come back together. Okay. Okay. okay, good deal. Okay, so your name is Sharon, is that right? Yes. All right, give us your full name. Sharon Young. Young, okay. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been at the library, Sharon? Uh, since 2014. Oh, several years. Yes, that's awesome. Years. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, we were talking earlier about how you've seen the library change people's lives. And they come in and um, apply for a job, or they just need help with just like sometimes people come in and they don't know anything about computers at all, and they're probably from the older generation, and some younger people don't know about it, and then they'll ask well how to copy and paste or I don't know I don't have an email address or I don't know how to even log in to what do I need to do so it's a lot of little steps but that leads up to other things but the um, job part is when they come in and not used to actually using a computer to apply for a job because you used to paper or going in face to face that's changed so they'll come in and um, and they're looking at sometimes intimidated and you no, know, I'm like there's no such thing as that. Sometimes I'm learning too. I learn something every day, you know, even working with them. So then they'll we'll just sit there and just go through the steps. Um, you need to fill out this, that, that, you know, and we just do that. And um, sometimes we've had people to come back and say, you know what, I got the job. You know, and that's just like, um, I think about it, it makes me feel so proud. But, and I'm like, still, it wasn't me. I just had to do the process. It had to be you. Some of this stuff that you had on your resume or whatever was what was responsible or your overall presence was responsible. You know, from most little towns in Mississippi I've seen, the library does serve a huge purpose. And it seems as if it's happening here too. It is. We're trying. This is small, you know, with the small town feel, but we're trying to do the best we can to keep people interested and make it a pleasant experience when they do come here, whatever they need. And just like ordering books that we don't have books that they need, we try to, you know, we can get them from other libraries, you know, through the um, ILL system. And we want to just try to try to meet the needs with that and other things, too. So if you could tell me one thing that impresses you the most about this little library, what would you say? Um, I guess to be the, um, for me, I would say the more personal feel of, I guess, by being a small community. You know, I know you, you know me, or just in passing, I might not know you, but I have to make you feel like, you know, I have to be that person. We have to try to be that per the people that, you know, make you want to come back, even if you're not from here. You know what I mean? Um, Just make you want to be interested in just coming, being a part of this little library and what we do. Tell us about what's going on up there today. Okay, well, it's Tommy Terrific, yay! Our first time having him here, so it's, you see, you can hear the noise up there, so I'm happy, I'm, you know, thankful that he, we was able to get him. 
And it's the first time for me, so I feel good, you know, seeing something. You like feel that like as you've well. really accomplished something. Yes. Yes. Correct. And I can tell the kids are having a grand time. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, how many kids do you think came? I would put it, what, about 20 maybe? That's about 20. That's Dude, a, I put about 20. That's a good you know, number. For our library, yes. That's in yes. 2 o'clock in the afternoon, yes. <laughs> that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank there was one thing I wanted to talk to you about and find out more information, and that's about this uh, program where you're feeding kids. Okay. Tell us about that, would you? Well, this program um, is has been going on for a number of years now. And, uh, well, for the library, we just really partnered with um larry miller he's kind of like the 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 guy that handles all of it and going through this through the program and it's a benefit to all because it the program helps us as well as it helps the kids but it's a feeding program i think it's 18 and under that you can come and get a meal it's really a hot meal you can have a breakfast and you can do a lunch and they, to me, that shows community outreach. You know, they just, they say, all you got to do is ask us. We're, we're here, you know, we'll do it. And I'm like, yeah. So, so has that, it, that has that spurred you on to try to do it, more partnerships? It, it did, it did. And I found that that's what you need to do. You're going to have to, it's take a community effort. You're going to have to, they don't know unless you tell them. And I, and I realized that going to a lot of daycares, I had to reach out to. Like I said, I, branched out a little bit more this year than I ever have. I just really feel like we need to just, I just want to do more this year. Well, I I have a couple of other questions. I know that budget has to be a huge issue for you. Mm -hmm. Are you funded by city, county? We're both mm -hmm, city and county. County is the the, the bulk of it, and then we got half a city. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then you also get the money from MLC. Yes. Um, so if you found yourself with a little extra money, what would you do? Really, um, I think it'll go towards, it depends on what it's going toward, but I think right now, get some young adult, get some um, up-to-date young adults that are coming out and um, focus on some of the, like I said, fiction, some of the gaps that we're missing in those um, areas of series, series type books. But I'm finding that a lot of our older people are going back to the first beginning of certain books and want to take it up. So some of my branches are helping out in that area because we have a lot of the older books. But I think more large prints for our um, older patrons that love to read and getting some um, some more. Well, we get children books, you know, through through grants. But I think like some more than young adult. Um, so you have um, developed you a teen section we, on the yeah, third floor. I did. Yeah. Uh-huh. We, uh, and I think it's going to be successful. They're giving them a spot because really couldn't jar where we're going to put that and where they're going to be with a sitting area where they can actually go up and, re- and read out to themselves and talk. You know, we got libraries where we got to be quiet. Just get them a place where they can actually, for it's not over loud, but just not so you know they can actually just talk and connect up there so yeah i think that'll be good for once it kind of like have some freedom, have your freedom you you go on you know yeah. you're up there off to yourself i think it's brilliant <laughs> i really do well uh we love being here in the stacks at Thank the macon library it's so fun <laughs> there's so much activity going on and i'm so proud for you uh we know that that you've worked really hard and uh, is there anything else that you want to share that you want people to know? Well, I think um, that's about being it. All, it's, it's all about the community. 
it's going to take not just the libraries, but it's going to take your community and the love of your community to help libraries, you know, stay growing and us talking so we'll know what y'all, what you need. And, um, cause we can't do, we can't be here without the community. So I think that, um, like I said, it makes you feel good when the community comes to you and say, okay, well, you know, you like, make you feel like you're doing your job. You're doing something, you know? So. Well, you are definitely doing your job, Shamika. Hi, this is Tracy Carr. Mississippi has a variety of interesting Native American place names, and Noxabee is one of them. If you Google Noxabee, look, even librarians start with Google, you'll learn that it's an Indian word for stinky water. Over and over in every source I found, it just said Indian word for stinky water. Well, what tribe? Where's the source? This is what happens after librarians Google. After hunting around, I finally found some real information in Native American Place Names in Mississippi, published by the University Press of Mississippi in 2007. This book contains definitions and translations of the almost 600 Mississippi towns, rivers, counties, and other places that bear Native American names. So, back to Noxby. First off, I once heard someone pronounce it Noxby, and I secretly laughed at them, but apparently that is also an acceptable pronunciation, so I'd like to offer an apology to whoever that was. It turns out that Noxaby kind of means stinky water. The full name was originally Oka Nakshobi, Oka being the Choctaw word for water, and Nakshobi meaning to smell as newly caught fish. So without the Oka, instead of stinky water, Noxaby just means to smell as newly caught fish. Stinky water does kind of have a ring to it though. There was a story that the river got its name after the winning side in a tribal battle tossed their opponent's dead bodies into the water, but that's been debunked as body tossing is not really a part of uh, Native American uh, warfare rituals. And while we're on the subject of Native American place names, Mississippi comes from the Algonquin words Missy for big and Sippy for river, not the dreamy and romantic sounding father of waters that you may have heard. If you need more Native American myth busting, contact MLC's information desk at 877-QUICK-REF. That's K-W-I-K-R-E-F. Thanks for tuning in to Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. We encourage you to visit your public library often.